We're closing out a series called Lost in Real Life. If you've missed any of it, you can go to awakeningchurch.com and listen uh, to it or watch it there. Uh, but this morning, like Steve said earlier, we're talking about directionless. And I was thinking back, especially with this is the season of graduation, I was thinking back to the first major decision I ever made in life. And you know major decisions, they're different than minor decisions. Major decisions impact the direction of your life. Major decisions, you look back and realize your whole life course was altered. Uh, My first major life decision happened when I was 18 years old, graduating senior from SoCal High over in Santa Cruz area, not to be confused with SoCal, which is down south, Uh, And so I remember my senior year, I had the opportunity, I was a drummer, uh, to go travel with my brother and go play in... in, uh, in Hong Kong and China, and his drummer had backed out at the time, and so I literally cut school for a couple weeks. It was amazing. Traveled with him, got a play, and then he's about to, his career was starting to take off. He's about to go on tour, and he looks at me, 18-year-old, like every 18-year-old's dream, you know, said, hey, Ryan, you made the cut. You, will you be my drummer? Like, I've been waiting for you to say that for 18 years, Jason, you know, Uh, and so I just like all the things rush in my head of like what life on the road is going to be like and, and, you know, to say I drummed for a living, I toured the U.S., all those sort of things, and I remember wrestling, I had a couple months to wrestle with, is this what I want to do? I mean, it's, it's every, well, every young drummer's dream to get to do this. And he even said he'd buy me a new drum set, which was like, wow, I want a new drum set, you know? And so as I wrestled with this, I remember my dad saying something. And, and it just is one of those things that just kind of haunted me. Sometimes people say stuff and it just haunts you. It just sticks with you. He said, you know, Ryan, you can do that. But I just think, I just think, you're meant to do something more than just sit behind a drum set the rest of your life. And I wrestled with that, and that kind of stuck. And I decided to not travel with my brother, which was kind of shocking to him and to me. Instead, I worked the worst job of a warehouse job loading semis, which was awesome. As I'm thinking about, I could be, you know, on the road. and think, You know, it's everything's bigger in your head. I'm like, oh, these people would want me to sign stuff and all that kind of crap. Now, here's what's so interesting. Because of that one decision, I I discovered what I was most passionate about ended up in ministry. Because of that one decision, my path happened across this incredibly beautiful blonde that I've been just enamored with ever since then. And, And I look back. I look back on that decision. And I'm so thankful I'm so thankful that my childhood dream of being a drummer, a rock star, and all that kind of stuff didn't come to fruition because I wouldn't experience what I am now experiencing. Because isn't it interesting how our decisions, someone had rightly said this, that in life we make our decisions, but then our decisions end up making our life. And so this morning, as we're talking about directionless, we really want to talk about how do you make big decisions? 
how do you find clarity in the midst of uncertainty? How do you move forward with confidence even though you're not really all that confident? And, and specifically, I just want to say this like couple rows right here, guys. I'm talking to you this morning. I almost feel like this could be like a graduation and we're going to ignore everyone else. It's not true. It's for you. But here's what I hope. For those in your 20s in this room I just believe if you would get this, it would save you so much heartache. If you would get this, it will lead you down paths that initially you may go like, I'm not really sure about this, but you'll see, be able to look back like I have and go like, wow, I'm so glad. How do you make big decisions in life? And we said in this series that when we get lost, when we feel directionless, is either because we either took bad directions, had no directions, or simply ignored good directions. And that is true in decision-making in life. And so to dive in, to talk about this, I first want to unpack some bad decisions. Or well, not bad decisions, but bad directions. What are bad directions that we've taken uh, that actually sound really, really good, but actually aren't good for us. I, I just want to highlight three real quickly, and then we got to dive into some stuff uh, that I, I think will be incredibly uh, applicable and helpful. Uh, the first bad direction is simply this. We hear this all the time. It, it is part of our cultural anthem. Just follow your heart. It'll never lead you wrong. In fact, I, I had a conversation with a guy at a flower shop as I was buying Jenny flowers and talking about this series and we're talking about bad directions. And I, I, he was shocked when I said that just following your heart is bad directions. I mean, his eyes got big and it almost like shut down the conversation because this is part of our cultural anthem. Hey, 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 just follow your heart. Your heart will never lead you wrong. Lie. Come on, come on. If, if I followed my heart, I would never work out. <laughs> just being, come on, come on, just be real. I would eat a whole lot of things, because I hate vegetables, by the way. I just hate them. And if I followed my heart, I'd, I, I, would, I, would, I would never eat a vegetable the rest of my life. Right? And, 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 and if I just followed my heart, there would just be a whole list of broken relationships in the aftermath going after me, Right? Because here's what we know to be true about our heart, is that our heart and our feelings, though they give us an accurate barometer to how we are doing, they're a terrible indicator of what's real or what's true. Feelings lie to us all the time. Our heart sometimes is right on and our heart is sometimes way off. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah said it this way, that the heart is desperately wicked above all else. And so first bad direction is like, man, we, some of us are just, we're making big decisions based on how we feel. Now that's part of it, but that's not all of it. The second bad direction is simply, if it feels good, do it. If it's not hurting anyone, and we hit on this a little bit at the very beginning of the series and talking about the elusive pursuit of happiness. But, but we make big decisions around, you know what, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, then it must be okay, and it's okay for me. As long as, you know what, if it feels good, it's all about me. 
In fact, I had this conversation. We're out to dinner uh, with this guy. Uh, Actually, he wasn't with us. Our family was out to dinner, and this uh, fairly inebriated man sitting next to us wanted to have a conversation with our family, which is always fun, you know. And so he began to have this conversation, and it went all over from politics to everywhere. and, And then eventually he made this massive comment. Don't you want your daughter... I don't know how we got on this subject, by the way, because it just kept saying, don't you want your daughter to have the right to do whatever she wants, whenever she wants, with whoever she wants, the right to do with her body? And don't you want her to earn the same wage as a man? I don't know, like, time out. Okay, number one, I don't want anyone to have the right to do whatever they want, whenever they want, with whoever they want let alone my daughter, right? And and what we do, we do this with arguments all the time. What he did is we attach a lesser personal value to a greater ideal value. And that and is not connected. Those two are not connected. Of course I want my daughter to be able to earn the same as any other person on the human planet. I want equality among genders. Absolutely. Doesn't mean she gets to do whatever she wants with her body. You say that about a man, you go, uh-uh, no, I don't want a man to do that. I got off on a tangent. Okay. <laughs> but we make this, if it feels good, do it. I should have the right to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and yet, and yet we experience the devastating consequences of that all the time, especially relationally directionally. And the last one is really the, it sums all of it up. It says, life is all about the journey, not the destination. I mean, you're like, wait a second, are you going to attack that one? No, 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 you can't talk about that one, because that's my anthem for my life, Ingram. I, I, that's like my quotable quotes on my Facebook page. I tweet that out every Wednesday, whatever. Life is all about the journey, not the destination. Now, now here's what's interesting about this. If there is no destination, then your decisions do not matter. If there is no end game, then whatever you decide, it doesn't matter. The Epicureans had this philosophy, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow will die. If there is no destination, then do whatever you want. Live like hell. Who cares? See, there's two philosophical thoughts here, and it's the transition between modernism and postmodernism. Modernism believed philosophically that we could answer the deep questions of life with science and knowledge. We got to the end of ourselves and realized those questions could not be answered. And so in the modern way or modernity, you would say life is all about the destination. We're able to answer the big questions of life. Then you shift over because we realize that science couldn't answer the deep questions of life. Uh, just thinking deep thoughts wasn't going to cut it. And so postmodernity moves into this area of like, since we can't know, maybe you can't know. And there are no absolute truths. And so do whatever you want. Life's all about the journey. And it sounds good, doesn't it? It's all about the journey. And just enjoy the journey. Biblically, what God would say is life is about the journey to the destination. See, it doesn't have to be either or. Both and. 
says, yeah, God is a God of process. And it is about the journey, and it's about where you're at and where, what's going on. But it, it does not have, uh, it's not just inconsequential. Incons- you are going somewhere, moving somewhere. In fact, if you don't even believe in God, this is true. You have a destination. It may be unspoken. Psychologists say that every human being needs two things. Secular psychologists. One, significance. Second, belonging. You go, those, both of those are destinations to experience significance in this life and a sense of belonging that you're known and you become in a community. Those are destinations. So, so if that's bad directions, I'd like to suggest maybe some good directions or at least some ways how do you actually experience or find clarity in the midst of uncertainty? How do you make Big decisions. Because we're all confronted with big decisions. And the Bible, God speaks a lot about this. Uh, the first area of making big decisions or finding clarity in the midst of uncertainty uh, is first, seek God seriously. I know, I know it's simple. You know, I, did I have to wake up this morning to hear that? Maybe. <laughs> Not, not just seek God. Not just, hey, I, I threw up a prayer. But, but when you go, okay, I, I understand that this decision is going to alter my life in the direction and the destination where I'm headed. You go, okay, I'm going to seek God seriously. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, writes this. If any of you lacks wisdom, in fact, under wisdom, you can simply write cl- uh, certainty. If any of you lacks certainty, if any of you lacks clarity, you should what? What's it say? Help me out. Ask God. He's like, it's it's simple. If you're unclear, ask God. But so oftentimes we don't ask God. We just talk to our friends. We just gripe to other people. We wrestle all around and wonder, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Have you prayed about it? God, I mean, I've thought about it. Have you? It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Who what? Gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This is a promise of God. It says, if you're lacking wisdom, if you need insight, if you need clarity, it says, ask. Promise. Now, the promises of God come with a condition. Here is the condition. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded, or literally of two minds, holding two separate thoughts at the same time, and unstable in all they do. How do you make big decisions, find clarity? First, to seek God seriously. So if you need clarity... Ask God, go to God, go to God, go to God, pray. Have you fasted about it? Now, now how do you pray in such a way where it says this, and not doubt? Literally, here's what it is, it's just simple. Submit your will to God's will. Pray, not doubt. You say, okay, you remember when Jesus taught us how to pray, he the Lord's Prayer, he said, your kingdom come, and then what? 
Oh, you guys even know the King James Version. Very good. Yeah, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, when we pray, often it isn't, God, would, would your will be done in my life? Would your will be done in this relationship? Would your will be done in this decision? We go, God, 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 would you support my will? I don't want to submit to your will. Would you support my will? Support my will. Help me do what I want to do. See, the prayer in faith is simply this. God, whatever you show me, I'll do. And you pray it in advance. God, whatever you show me, I'll do. If you show me, I'll do it. No matter how hard, no matter how difficult, if it means having that conversation, if it means moving, if it means getting out of this relationship, whatever you show me, I will do. That is submitting your will, your preference to God's will. See, could it be? Could it be that it's not God isn't speaking, but far too many of us just don't want to hear what he's saying? That he's actually speaking, and if we get to the point where we go, okay, your will be done. He says, I'm the God who gives wisdom in the midst of uncertainty. I remember... um, after I met that beautiful blonde, I went back to school in Chicago, and she went back to school in San Luis Obispo, and, and I, I just was wrestling with, I was away at school in Chicago in this amazing, you know, city, world-renowned, love the city, and college, and it's like fantastic, and I couldn't get this girl off my mind. You know, I just, like, she just kept coming back to my mind. And so, and so I just, I, I began to pray, God, would you get this girl off my mind? Because I'd email her, and then like a month later, she would email me back. I'm like, clearly she's not interested. You know, and so I just began to pray, God, would you get for about two months, I just said, I don't want to think about her because every time I saw a pretty girl on campus, I thought of Jenny. And I'm like, I, I just want to see the pretty girl. If I'm honest, you know, I just want to like be here and date someone here and not be thinking about a girl that doesn't even respond back to my emails, you know? And I got fed up. And I, and I, I this is the first time like I can remember that I got serious with God. And I'm so thankful that I learned this, you know, at 19, 20 years of age. And so I said, fine, God. And I wouldn't suggest maybe doing it this way. I don't know, if, but God honors, I think, earnest faith. I said, fine, God. If you won't take this girl off my mind, I'm going to fast and pray to marry her. I'm not even dating her yet. <laughs> and so I remember Chicago. It's the fall. It's November. It's raining. And I'm in upstairs of like a Barnes & Noble or something like that, downtown, overlooking the Magnificent Mile. And I have fasted and prayed. And I said, God, man, I've prayed. I've, I sought you. I didn't want her on my mind, because I, but I, would you take her off my mind? And fine, if that's not. And by the way, it worked out pretty good for me. Just saying. But, but, but what if you sought God seriously in your relationships? What if you submitted your will to God's will in your relationships? See, those are the areas that we cling and we hold on to, don't we? We don't want God to speak into you because it's our will, it's our way, we want it. I remember after a year of dating Jenny, and she was actually now in Sweden, she just kept getting farther away from me. <laughs> and I was still in Chicago. 
And for about a month or two, I wrestled because I just felt like God was saying, you need to break up with her. I'm like, hang on. Because the reality was is she had elevated and become more important to me than God was. And I mean, I wrestled with him for a couple months, and I mean, turmoil. And I remember one day after playing drums at church, at Park Community Church, downtown Chicago, walking back to school, and I was a crazy man. I literally, but thankfully there's a lot in Chicago, so I fit in. I was walking down the street, talking out loud to God, wrestling with him, crying. I mean, literally, crazy man, okay? You're like, I don't know about this church anymore. That guy's kind of weird. We all are. And I remember wrestling with God and finally, finally released the relationship. I said, God, fine. Whatever you say, I'll do. And if you want me to break up with her, I'll do that. I remember it was almost, it was so clear what God said to me next. But no, 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 no. Because you'll just replace her with something else. I want you to learn to keep me first with her in your life. See, God didn't want to take her away. He, he just wanted my heart. See, making big decisions in life, finding clarity in the midst of uncertainty begins with seeking God seriously, focused, going, okay, you alone hold the words of life. Where else can we go? A second thing from seeking God seriously is then get wise counsel. Get wise counsel. This is more than asking buddies and friends. This is people that you look at who are maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years ahead of you that you see the direction of their life and you go, I want to be like them. This is more than just looking around and going, hey, I listen to people who who you want to hear what they have to say because you know they agree with you. I love what Ortberg says on this. He says, we need people with the wisdom to be discerning and the courage to be truthful. So often we don't want to go to people who we know will tell us the truth because we honestly have already made up our decision. Solomon, the wisest man who walked the earth, talked more about seeking wise counsel than anyone else. He said this, The way of a fool seems right to him. The path of a fool seems right to him. The the direction of a fool, the decisions of a fool seem right, yet a wise man listens to advice. This is a lesson that I've had to learn the hard way over and over and over again. Because so oftentimes you go, no, 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 you don't understand. Life's different. Uh, We've lost the sages in our society, not because they're not here anymore, and we'll talk actually in a couple weeks in our parenting series on this, but we've lost it because we kind of believe that old is obsolete. And we can just Google that. And it's a different world, so I must know better now. I remember when we began to talk about planting this church, there's a, a wise gentleman by the name of Ken Dean. He's about 30 years older than me. 
And I remember him giving me advice, and he said, you know, Ryan, before you plant, you actually, we are leading this college ministry, uh, young adults ministry called Awakening. He said, you need to shut it down for at least three months. And at that time, this thing is booming. Hundreds of people are showing up. I'm like, if we shut it down, we'll lose all our momentum. How in the world could we shut it down? And I look back, and I so wish I would have taken his advice. I mean, we ran in limping into this church plant instead of going in prayed up and building a team around us that was strong and mighty and ready to go. In fact, there's about a year and a half of this church plant where, where I heard good advice and I was like, yeah, that's good, but I think this is the best way and experienced the pain over and over again. In fact, in my journal, I have a list of lessons I've learned that I don't want to forget. And I write it down and every new journal I get, I just put those lessons because I don't want to forget them. And about a year and a half, about a little over a year ago or so, I, I just made the decision, if you're about 15, 20 years older than me, and I admire the direction of your life and the ministry you've done, and you give me advice, I, I almost don't even need to pray about it. Like, I, I'm doing that, because I just, I, I learned this the hard way. And I don't want you to have to learn it the hard way if you haven't already. Get wise counsel. Get people around you who don't tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what you need to hear. They're different. Solomon says it this way. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm point here is just simply if you look at who you surround yourself with you can see the destination and direction of your life show me your friends and I can show you your future so who are you surrounding yourself with who do you listen to who do you take advice from making big decisions getting Wise counsel. In doing that, by the way, filter good advice through God's word. Go, okay, you know what? That's good advice, but I'm going to go back and see, does it line up with God's word and what he showed me too? Because what I've watched is good intending people sometimes give bad advice or something that's contrary to God. And so you have this... Um, you know, I especially see it in good intention parents who want the best for their kids and, 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 a, and a, someone gets on fire for Jesus and they're like, you know what, I'm going to risk it all for Jesus. Well, I don't know about that. You know, you maybe shouldn't do that. Filter everything through God's word. Seek God seriously. Get wise counsel. And then finally, take the next step. How do you make big decisions? It's just that simple. How do you experience clarity in the midst of uncertainty? Go to God relentlessly. Submit your will to His will. Get wise counsel, but filter good advice through God's Word. And then take the next step. We suffer. We suffer from this analysis paralysis 
We get so much information around us, but we don't ever do anything with it. We're afraid to make the wrong decision. And so as a result, we do nothing. See, take the next step. Take the very next step you know to do. You may not know the whole plan, but take the very next step. Jeremiah or Isaiah says it this way. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. See, if you've sought God and you've gotten wise counsel, you can have the confidence, you know what, I'm going to take the next step. Always with the tension, if God checks, then I listen. So you move forward. You go, okay, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to take the next step. Always with the tension. If, if I hear God check, then I listen. One, one time God checked us when we moved to California. We were about to buy a house, and, but we couldn't afford the house, and so there was another, the contractor was going to keep some of his equity in the house. We moved here in 2007. I don't know if you know what happened in 2008. We were wrestling. Oh, should we? Let's get in. I mean, everything's booming. It's probably the only time we could actually get in to buying a house, you know. And I remember both of us, we just felt this, like we'd gone through the process, and there's just this check in our gut. There's a lack of peace in our souls, and we said, we just can't buy it. We're going to stay renters. And I look back and go, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful. Because everything around us and the good advice from our, you know, well-meaning people, oh, we're, we're going to help you get in. Take the next step. But if God checks, then you listen. Whether you hear the word behind you, this is the way, walk in it. You've got to trust that God's going to say that. See, when in doubt, when in doubt, do the next right thing you know to do. Do the very next right thing you know to do. I love what Theodore Roosevelt said on this. He says, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. And some of us, we keep praying when God's already shown us. Stop praying about what God has already revealed to you and just start doing it. And he's been clear. And for some, you're like, I don't want to get out of that relationship. I don't want to trust God with my finances. I don't, and he's already been absolutely clear in God. And some of us, we're, we're praying, God, would you show me the whole picture Will you show me the whole picture? I want to see the destination before I take the next step. And, and for some, like Abraham, he's saying, go to the land, I'll show you. Well, where is it? I'll show you. Well, well, show me. Well, go, and I'll show. Well, I would like you to show, then I'll go. Because that's the way we work. You show me, and then I'll go. And God says, no, 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 no. Go, take the next step you know to take, that you're confident. You go, okay, I don't know the end story, but I know exactly what the next step is, and he'll show you along the way. As Jenny and I were processing planting a church, this was a massive decision for us, um, because if you know our story a little bit, we never intended to plant a church, and I never intended to lead a church. 
In fact, that was on our anti-bucket list, if you have an anti-bucket list, you know. Uh, and so that was something we never wanted to do. But we woke up, I was around the January time, I remember looking at Jenny and working at Westgate, this incredible church, have a great place, God's blessing the ministry, everything's great. I remember looking up at her and saying, I think it's time to move on. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, you know what, I've sensed the same thing. By the way, real quick caveat, if you're married, make decisions in terms of we, never me. Okay? Move forward in the we-ness. He made you one. This is huge when you get married. Go, okay. Because when you move forward, and you, but the other doesn't, it will create tension and strife. And especially if you're both believers, the same spirit that lives in you lives in de- them. And so he'll lead you together. Because if you don't go together, you begin to drift apart. Okay, back to the story. Sorry. And we both looked at each other and said, think it's time to move on. It's just kind of exciting. We're like, okay, God, what do you have for us? And we began to pray and, you know, do those big, bold, courageous prayer. God, whatever you show us, we'll do, you know, except plant a church, but everything else we'll, we'll do, you know. And we had our accept list, but we weren't very upfront with that with God. We tried to keep that on the down low. And a month went by and nothing. And after three months, we got a little tired of it. We're like, okay, God, show us. And then I began to try to figure out the plan. I want to know the big picture. And I remember about seven months into it, I just felt real clear God saying, this is the next step. And the next step was to go to my boss, Steve Clifford, who I love and basically an uncle of mine, and tell him it's time to move on. Like, I don't like that next step. And I don't even think it's a very good plan because then what do I do? I got three kids and I tell them, we didn't, haven't looked at any other jobs. We've just been praying. There is no plan. I'm just supposed to tell my boss that it's time to move on. I don't know how that's going to go. Take the next step. Go to the land. I'll show you. I remember walking into Clifford's office. I literally read a whole book to prepare for this, Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. It's a great little book. Just to prepare for this one meeting. Nervous. And I said, I said, Steve, this is really hard, but it's time for our family to move on from Westgate. Everything's great. We're great. There's nothing bad. Just feel like God's leading us on, and I want you to be a part of the process. And he looks up at me, and he's a good Texan. Well, shoot. Why don't you plan awakening as a church? I said, we'll take the next step. We're not confident that's our calling, but we'll take the next step. And so we went to a church planner's assessment. Five days, they had, you know, clinical psychologists there, did a battery of exams. And I mean, we were so honest there. So honest. We, 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 you know, about marriage, about finances. Everyone there were like, they had their plan for planning the church. I had a moleskin, <laughs> you know, and showed up and said, we don't know, but we're hoping. And I remember the plane ride, Jenny and I saying, God, would you be so clear? Would you show us? And, and the night before, we were going to hear from 21, uh, these 21 assessors, and men and women who had to come to a unanimous decision. Jenny and I were like, so what are we going to do now? They're going to say no. 
we don't know what's going to happen next. And I'm like, I don't know. Back to the drawing pad. And we get in that moment and sit down with the sisters. And they could have said, yes, we believe you're called to plant now. No, we're not yet. Unanimous. We said, hey, we believe you're called to plant now. And you'll be highly effective at it. And in that moment, they saw in us what we couldn't see in ourselves and led us to a place that we would have never chose for ourselves, but I would never choose otherwise knowing now. See, that's the power of getting wise counsel. That's the power of submitting your will to God's will. That's the power of simply taking the next step wherever it leads and being obedient. And we're gathered here and lives have been changed because of one simple step and didn't know the whole picture. When in doubt, do the next right thing you know to do. Seek God seriously. Get wise counsel, then simply take the next step. And for some, you know the next step. You just don't want to do it. Take the next step. Just want to close with a simple, I think, word from God for those who are living in the midst of uncertainty. I'm going to invite the band to come on up because they have a song that will be great. But some of you are, you're in it and you just need to hear more than anything a word from God. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a famous Old Testament passage that we quote a lot. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare, plans that you'd prosper, plans that for your good, not to harm you, not for your calamity, that you might experience a future and a hope. And the way that's constructed is literally that you would have a future hope, a future end that is good. What we miss is, if you're familiar with that verse, is the context. Jeremiah 29 is actually... A few letters that are written from this prophet Jeremiah to a group of about 3,000 plus people who had been ripped from Jerusalem. They're all the nobility and exiled in Babylon. See, in the year 597, Babylon conquered Jerusalem. And they took the best and the brightest. And if you know the stories of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is when they would have been ripped from their homeland and taken to Babylon. And you got a people in a place they don't want to be, and, and they're in that place because of decisions they made. And some of you are in that place and in this directionless place because of decisions you made, and you feel like God couldn't be farther away from you in your story. And you're like, I'm way outside the promised land right now, and it's by my decision. And what God's saying is, you may be way outside the promised land, but you're not too far from my loving hands. For I know, even though you're way far away, I know I have plans for your life. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not calamity. Plans to give you a future and hope. Then you'll seek me. See, then you'll seek me. A lot of times we don't seek God because we don't trust God. We don't believe his plans are good for us. We think he's out to get us instead of to hold us. 
care for us and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And maybe if you're in that place this morning, you might embrace a new confession. I don't know the future. We can all say that. Whether it's going good or bad, I don't know the future. But, but I know the one who knows. And that's enough for me. I, I don't know the future. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know how this business deal is going to land. I don't know what's going to happen with our marriage. I don't know how our kids are going to turn out. I don't know the future. But here's one thing I do know. I know the one who knows the future. And so I'm going to him. I'm seeking him. And that's enough for me. I will rest in that. Maybe, maybe this morning, if you're in the midst of uncertainty, you just need to embrace a new confession. And you just begin to wake up and with an honest confession, I don't know. But I know the one who knows. And that fact, I'll rest. I don't know, but I know the one who knows. And that's enough for me. God, thanks for this moment. Thank you that you, you teach us so clearly how to experience clarity in the midst of uncertainty. I pray for each person in this room that you would give them the wisdom to know what to do with what they just heard and then the courage to do it. In Jesus' name.